Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from March 21st, 2021. Hey, everybody. (laughs) You don't ever use that voice in any other context. It's because I don't. It is, I don't welcome everybody. It is your podcast intro voice. You don't say that on a Sunday from the pulpit. You don't get up there. Oh, no. Hey everybody, everybody. No, what do I say? Hello. It's good. I mean, it's consistent, right? That's how we all know the podcast is starting. Hello, podcast family. There you go. Welcome to another episode of the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams. That's closer to last week's introduction because it was me and jeff right so oh you know that one starts and thank you for listening to the faith church podcast that's yeah i wonder i didn't get any did you guys get emails about the energy level last uh, week no i didn't get a chance to listen to it yet hmm. no we did not get any emails because everyone was fast asleep <laughs> You, gotcha. You got yes, you did. You got me so much I didn't have time to turn my head before. I, well done. Speaking of getting me, we have some business to deal with. We do. I was gone for this past week, and before I left, I um, a couple of things happened. One, I cleaned my office, which is amazing. That's something we could talk about. But the other thing though that happened was I dropped a few hints. We have we have in the past had a nice modest. Um, snack selection just some baskets of snacks you know for uh, just for those afternoon doldrums or for guests that come in mm-hmm. and They're getting a little th- hangry before staff meeting right and those things went away mysteriously they just mm-hmm. kind of got used up and then they were gone and Not I replenished no and I dropped several hints along the way but they were never picked up and so finally before I left I I was more direct yes. and said we need to get snacks back in the office. The morale is needs to be lifted, and you know, and let's be clear: this is not like caviar bar or anything like that. Like we're just talking <laughs> about some almonds and you know yeah. that kind of stuff. And and so I get back from vacation on Friday night, and then Saturday I was in the office to prep for my message on Sunday, and. I worked in the morning and then it got to be about 10:30 or so and I thought, yeah, I'm a little hungry. I happened to notice all these boxes a bunch of them. It a was bunch of them. it was replenished. Yeah, it was replenished beautifully and I noticed it, but I was like, "Oh, great." And so at 10:30, I was like, "Oh, I'm a little peckish. I could use like a little walk around and maybe some almonds." And so I go out and I reach for a box and it is empty. Hmm. That's very disappointing. And my, right. And my thought was, ah. Oh. And then I immediately thought, who puts back an empty box? Come on, guys. Like, you take the last one, throw the box away. Right. Common courtesy. Yeah. But I was like, yeah. It's just slightly, you know, like, okay, no big deal. So I, I go to my second choice. The box is empty. At that point, I think, for crying out loud, who? That means somebody else probably reached this box. Coworkers yeah. I'm, working with. I, I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. I reach for a third box. Also empty. And at this point, I actually verbally out loud 
to your uh, t- by yeah, yourself yeah in the office, i'm in the correct? dark in the office nobody else is here i verbally out loud let out a what in the world <laughs> who is leaving who ate all the snacks and then left all the boxes and so i grab a fourth box at that point and then it clicks aha <laughs> it's it was intentional ah indeed i realized then i was the victim of a practical joke and no one will admit to it i this is the thing is nobody will tell me who did it but i i then i shared on our team chat board or whatever i let them know what the experience was because mm-hmm. i thought okay whoever did this they they deserve to know that it played out perfectly you you are a a considerate recipient of a prank i am, I am I'm, it's one of my best qualities <laughs> i i so admired i admired it i admired the the design of it the execution and the humility of whoever did it whoever's i whosever idea it was that they didn't need to now i did immediately start looking around for cameras so that did happen I don't know if there's video evidence of my reaction or not, but um, I sadly no. I I thought, okay, am I am I being recorded right now? Which would have been both awesome and a little creepy. A little creepy. But I did think like, oh, this this worked perfectly. Whoever did this, they could. I could not have played better into it by. So here's what I want to know. I want to know. If you play a prank on somebody, are you fully satisfied just knowing that the prank was successful and accomplished its intended end, or do you also need the person to know you were responsible for said prank? Is is part of the delight in them knowing you were the one who did it or just knowing that it worked? No, often I've actually found there have been times in my past where I may have played a practical joke, as it were, on someone and they blamed the wrong person. Mm. And I delighted in that even more. (laughs) And never. And never revealed. Just left that doubt forever (laughs) in their mind. I, yeah, no, I don't, I don't need. I don't know because I when <laughs> I find the humor of just like I would want to know. So I did I did unto others as I would have them do unto there me. You go. I just wanted whoever I didn't need to find out who did it. I was curious, but I did want to make sure that the person responsible was able to enjoy the moment to know that I did I not only did not figure it out, but I like I didn't anticipate it and so much so that it took me four boxes before I finally figured out <laughs> what was going on. So I just couldn't imagine. I thought if I had played that joke, I would be so delighted to know this. And so there you go. That's good. Whoever, whosever idea it was, I'm guessing it was a team effort. I'm guessing it, it, it wasn't just one person unilaterally. Every, the response of the staff was such that no one was like, wait, what happened? So obviously everybody knew whoever had the idea originally though. Kudos. So you go. There it is. And so that inhibited my sermon prep, which was why uh, this one fell flat. Did, did it? Did it? Well, <laughs> well, 
I just I just throw that out there in that's, case anybody's thinking. That's one way thinking. to transition. I was going to transition yeah. with something like, and the beauty of the prank was in its simplicity. And speaking of simplicity, oh, Jay, it was simple. You talked about that this weekend. You know what else? And did an excellent job. Thanks. So, but by the way, I looked for the snacks then because I was like, well, these then have to be somewhere, yeah. and I couldn't find them. Hmm. That must have been very disappointing to you. Was because by that time I was actually hungry. <laughs> I was thinking, okay, enough joking around. Where are the almonds? The like, where are the almonds? But I never found them. Oh, but now, sorry. miraculously, they have appeared. Um, so simplicity. Yeah, we talked about yeah. simplicity this past weekend, and um, yeah, that was it. Was it was interesting? It's a difficult topic. Well, I was also trying to combine it with sacrifice because I had we had to shorten our series and we were originally going to do simplicity and sacrifice. And so I decided to just kind of combine those. So I don't know how well that actually worked, but uh, I think we did cover some good ground about just thinking about simplicity. So I don't know if there's anything that stuck out to you about that or, you know, what we, what would be helpful to kind of unpack some more. I, I thought it was really helpful. I think um, if, if we talk about anything, I think one of the things that I love about the podcast is an opportunity to get even more practical. Um, the things that that maybe we can mention from kind of a high level or, or just throw out there quickly in a sermon, but because we don't want the sermons to be an hour and a half long, um, we can we just throw out one or two examples. And so maybe we could take some time and talk through some some more specifics of, of what it looks like to simplify. I really appreciated you addressing the idea that simplification is not the end it's it's just one of one of many means that that we employ toward toward growing in in our understanding of Christ and abiding in him um, and so I I would I would love if we could take, take a couple minutes and talk through some specifics of how do we do that if somebody comes out of your sermon and says that makes a lot of sense my, my life feels really cluttered my house feels really cluttered these things are not the way I would want them to be. Um, what what do I do? How do I how do I move forward in this? All right. So we had we talked about these different categories. So why don't we just we'll we're gonna we're gonna take each one of those time, money, and stuff, and let's just we'll give a little bit of practical help in each one of those because my guess is that as people were listening to the message, hopefully if they're if they're engaged in that, they're they're thinking there are some of those areas that are more realistic like we have people in our congregation who are like paycheck to paycheck and they you and i think what's important to understand is even then there's simplicity that can happen i think we get into this mindset and that's the scarcity mentality that i was talking about that we're just always telling ourselves that we don't have enough so regardless of whether that's actually the case or not we're not very discerning when it comes to that and so I think it's really important that we don't, you don't start with saying, well, do I have any spare of these, of this resource? Yeah. Like, do I have spare time that I should be simplifying? I would say, well, maybe not. That's why you need to simplify. Right. So right. if you, um, and it will look different for different people. Like there are some people who could make radical strides. Like it, it's the equivalent of, like some people have closets full of clothes and a storage unit full of like some people right. have a ton that they could pare down. Other people, it, it may look much simpler. And so same way with money. Like there are some people who 
um, could look at their budget and look at their spending and look at their earnings and realize like I could simplify this a lot, like huge amounts. And then there are other people where it may just be, it may be very small, but, but I think it's important, um, to just think through simplicity. And I think, so we, we talked about uh, a couple of overarching principles here with these. And, and one of those is, um, you had mentioned earlier, Robbie, that just intentionality is yeah. just like, so as we're talking about these things, like one of the key points is just be intentional. Right. Because we arrive at the place where we are largely due to a lack of intentionality. No, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I am going to try to schedule my day to a point where I am stressed and filled with anxiety and don't have time for anything that I actually think is important. Nobody nobody chooses to do that, but we don't choose to not do that. <laughs> if right. I can throw in enough negatives in that sentence. We, we don't make an intentional decision to ensure that doesn't happen. We just, we just kind of keep moving along. And so I, I I don't look around my my room or my office and go, why, why on earth do I have so much stuff? Because I at one point decided I want to fill this office with more things than I can possibly use. I just wasn't trying not to do that. So, so much of it is is just choosing to be intentional. Before, if we're talking about uh, stuff, I'm, I'm choosing to to actually think about, do I actually need this thing? Why do I need this thing? Am I going to continue to use this thing? You know, we ask specific questions that help kind of filter out why why am I purchasing this thing? When I'm handling my money, I'm asking questions of what is my end goal and is this moving me toward this? And when I'm t- looking at time, I'm thinking through, is, is this the best that scripture commands us to make the best use of the time? And so is, is this actually the best use of the time or is this just a good or okay or even overtly bad use of the time? But, but to be intentional in that. Um, and I, want, I wonder if part of the problem why that's difficult is, is, a, is a lack of confidence in I know what I'm supposed to be about. Right? Yeah. So because I don't necessarily start my day with this is the most important thing and this is the best use of my time, um, you know, Sor- Soren Kierkegaard used to talk about willing the one thing. And instead of being double-minded or, or having all of these divided ideas to to will the one thing. And, and I just wonder if for many of us, we don't know what that one thing is supposed to be. And so it's difficult to be intentional in making those decisions. Yeah, for sure. I, I I think that's where the idea of writing down, like, what is my purpose? What is my mission? I know a, a lot of families who have family mission statements or you can have personal mission statements. And it's important to understand that it's going to be, it should be, if it's, if it's a biblical um, mission statement, it should be some form of the great commandment and the great commission. But the question is, okay, but then how is that playing out right now? And so that's where that intentionality. So part of forming that mission statement is I know that I am called to make disciples who make disciples. And right now, because I have young children at home, that is a major part of that. And so that's why I spend time with them. That's why like my, my time kind of is oriented in such a way that with them in mind, you know, and, and money that I spend is with them in mind, vacations that we take, like all that stuff is, it is, it is 
I'm mindful of them and what does it yeah. look like to disciple them, which that will look different when they are out of the house. Um, and so, so we, we talked about that kind of stuff. So that's, that's being intentional. I think the other piece that we want to make sure that we mention before we give some of these practical tips is, is to be mindful that all these things are connected. So I mentioned in the message, you know, that saying yes to one thing is, um, saying no to something else. So that's an important piece that if I'm going to agree to this, I'm saying no to something else that would occupy that same time or money or, or whatever the case is. But the reverse of that is also true. And I didn't get a chance to talk about that in the message, but saying no to something should be an intentional yes to something else. So it's, hmm. it's bringing in that intentionality, but realizing all these things are connected. So if I'm, if I'm saying no to this time commitment over here, why am I saying no to it? What's the better thing that I'm choosing? Because to your point about intentionality, if I don't have a better thing, you mentioned this earlier, if I don't have a better thing that I'm choosing, then I'm, I'm almost certainly going to end up falling into a worse thing. Yes. So I say no to volunteering. Um, you know, I say no to volunteering, uh, at, at church on Sunday morning so that I can go home and sit on the couch and watch football. Right. That's, it's not a win. No, that's that not, that's not a win. good no. No, but, um, so, so that's, that's another piece is realizing how these are all connected. So which one should we start with? Should we start with, should we start with stuff since you were, or sure. you... let's start with stuff. Stuff seems like the, like that's the least. It's the one, it's probably the one that's most in front of your face, right? Cause you come right. home and you look at your kitchen counter and you go, that's a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. So how do we, how do we deal with stuff? What's a practical tip? You had some ideas on this. Stuff stuff is a difficult one because, again, you don't necessarily think about how much you're accumulating. I saw several years ago, I was watching a, a, a minimalist YouTuber who was, who was filming himself getting rid of all of his stuff, and his goal was to get down to 50 items, that he was going to own 50 things, which you, when you say out loud, you're like, oh, 50 things, that sounds like a lot, until you realize, like, you have socks and underwear for one day of the week and you're already like over 20% through all the stuff you're allowed to own. Like, so that's not much that all fit on one bed. And, and so I'm watching that and I'm thinking, well, that's crazy. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And, and I just kind of thought like, well, what, what about a hundred things? Like what, how, how close could I get to a hundred things? And just started thinking through what that would look like. And, and was immediately horrified and discouraged when after like eight minutes of, of inventory, I, I had nearly a hundred things just on my nightstand and bathroom counter. Wow. Like, wow. I'm going, all hope is lost, yep. right? There's no chance. Like this is, this is how bad this has gotten. Evidently. You haven't even gone out of your bedroom. I haven't even gotten out of bed. Like <laughs> I, I can see I can from see. my bed over a hundred things. And, and just feeling super overwhelmed by that. And, and then thinking like, oh my goodness, like, and as you said earlier, like context is everything, right? It's not about getting to some magic number that like owning right. this number of things yeah. is what's holy. In, you know, 500 years ago, when they actually only owned 50 things, there were people going, this is extravagance. Like I need to simplify. Like, and in that context, that probably made sense or didn't make sense in the same way that right. following Jesus continues to not make sense. Um, but to but to stop and say so what what is my motivation for doing this why am I getting rid of this and and 
And what I have found is I am not super motivated by I'm just getting rid of the stuff for the sake of having less stuff, even though it is good for my soul and good for my head to do that. Like if I if my desk is completely cluttered with stuff, that is an indication that my head and my heart is super cluttered as well. And so, um, you know, not necessarily that one causes the others. It's kind of cyclical. Right. So the so it is good for me to not have all of the clutter. Uh, it helps me focus. It helps me be more effective in, in the things that matter. But unfortunately, that's often not motivation enough to just say, well, this is better for me. For me personally, I have found what is most motivating is is thinking, but but how is this robbing somebody else of a blessing? How could I be blessing someone else with this? So just saying like, I've got 10 t-shirts. Why do I need 10 t-shirts? That seems like more t-shirts than I need. I'll justify that by saying, well, I already bought it. So it's kind of silly to get rid of it. I already paid for it. I have it. So I'll just keep it. Plus, what if this t-shirt gets a hole in it? Then I'll be thankful that I have this other t-shirt here. And so I come up with these simple justifications of like, well, why it'd be ridiculous for me to get rid of that. The only thing that really changes it for me is stopping and thinking, but somebody might need that t-shirt right now. Like that t-shirt that's shoved in the back of my drawer that I never pull out because it's not my favorite. I'm always going to pull out my favorite t-shirt first. And so that one just stays secluded in the back of the drawer. Somebody could use that right now. And then I start thinking of it in terms of my keeping, my hanging on to that thing that I'm not even using is actually withholding that blessing from someone else. And then it starts feeling like a motivation. I would much rather this be used right now by someone else uh, then then I just hang on to it for the sake of hanging on to it in the case you know that maybe someday I'm going to use it so um, so for me you know we talked about motivation that you want to make sure that you have the right motivation for, for it I'm not motivated by just have less stuff I'm motivated by um, how can I better serve and love others how can I care like that stirs something in me that makes me go that's worth getting rid of half of my t-shirts if that means somebody can be blessed by that and, and needs that and i don't think that's to downplay that like you said it does remove clutter in your mind and it does i mean which we, also we have, directly benefits yes. me right i mean the the decision fatigue that we have is real like the fact that Absolutely. kids have most kids have far too many toys and so they they it's overwhelming so they end up i mean every parent knows what it's like to buy a toy kid pay, plays with it for the day that they get it and then after that it gets right. buried and it's standing in the middle of their room surrounded by 500 toys saying right. i have nothing to play with right like what and 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 we're no different because yeah. we like i look at my bookshelf and think i, I just have nothing to read and right. i have all these books i haven't read it's so i do think um but i think it's so fascinating you said the the i spent money on this that's such a thing for me man i i if i bought something then I, I feel like I have to keep it because otherwise it was a waste of money. Right. But the funny sunk thing cost, is... Man. Sunk cost. Yeah, but the funny thing is it was already a waste of money. Right. Like the moment I purchased it, right. I wasted it. So now I want to make two wrongs make a right exactly. by saying now I'm going to be shrewd and hold on to it, withhold it from... Now it's it's crazy. So I'll, right. I'll keep it as a way of like, okay, at some point I will use this and when I do, I'll be justified for having gotten it in the first place. Right. And that doesn't work. Never. It, it, it's actually like for me personally, I have to think about it in terms, like you said there, to be a blessing to somebody else to say, okay, well, I bought this, but 
it turns out that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that um, or whatever, but now I'm going to let it be redeemed. So uh, it's a theme of redemption here with a lot of these things. Like the reality is we have all bought things that we didn't need. We've all done the impulse buy, whether small or big or whatever. Um, But they're giving away stuff is not just cutting your losses. It, It is actually a way of redeeming this that, okay, I bought, I bought this jacket that I just thought looked cool, but I don't, I don't need it. But now by giving it to Goodwill, somebody else can pick it up at a fraction of the cost and be blessed by it. Right. And that's a way of redeeming that thing that I bought. Just as surely as if I had bought it that day at the store and given it, bought it for this person. Yep. You know, there's, there, we wouldn't see that as a waste. Like if you felt like, oh, I want to buy this for this person, we would think that was great. So it's just a delayed version of that. Um, I think also you're talking about the, just to put a bow on the the stuff thing is it's just that whole fear of like well what if i need this someday for me that speaks so much to self-reliance you know for me that i yeah. like i have to be prepared for every possible circumstance um independently independent of anybody else you know there are other cultures in the world that uh really do not understand they do they would not get why people um, in a, say a church family like this, why we would all need to own a chainsaw, for example. Right. Right. They'd just be like, well, you've got a few, that's good enough. Um, but no, we feel like every individual has to be equipped with every item and that's just not true. So like that may be a thing that, um, it'd be interesting I wonder what that would look like. That's another way of simplifying is to say to people like maybe in your gospel community or in your circle of of friends to let them know that, hey, I've got this thing. I rarely ever use it, but I own it. And so if you guys have a need of that, don't don't go buy it. Just come and use it, you know, and then that's another way of simplifying in a sense. You may not give it away, but you may say like, you know what, I've I've accumulated these things and I know that they could be a blessing in that way to other people too. So, which is very acts, right? They had all right. things in common. Right. It's understanding. I don't, I don't have to go out and buy this thing that I'm going to use once every seven years. Right. If I know somebody that does, I can borrow it from them. If I own something that I'm only going to use every once every seven years, I can freely give that to others, that, that idea of sharing. But so, so much of that, so much of our identity is wrapped up in those things and and we kind of joke about like retail therapy right but but we do get a little shot of dopamine right every time we buy something every time that yep. amazon box shows up at the yep. door there is this little our we, we we find pleasure in that and and that little shot of pleasure makes us feel better and yep. so um and so we it does cost us something to stop buying those things but but we have to ask what is it costing us by continuing in that, by continuing to seek comfort and pleasure and joy in stuff, in created things, right. rather than in the creator. And and why do I feel like, well, God isn't enough for me, but buying this new fine tip pen is going to do it for me. Right. Right? Like, it's not like big stuff. It's not like I got to go buy a boat. Like I can, I can be thrilled by getting a pack of new highlighters in the in the mail. Like it's the silliest things. And I got to ask, like, why, why is my heart drawn to that? Why does it find pleasure and delight and satisfaction if only for a few seconds? Because then 
first time I use it, it's now just a highlighter or a pen or a book or whatever right. it is. Like it doesn't it immediately loses that satisfaction rather than finding that in Christ. And so the idea of simplifying is not just getting rid of your stuff, but buying less stuff as well, right? You need to right. you need input and output needs to be dealt with. Right. And so by not by choosing not to buy that thing that I objectively do not need, it it allows me an opportunity to exercise actual faith in Christ and saying, maybe, just maybe, you can provide for me the satisfaction that I'm trying to find in purchasing this item. Yeah, and that's where yeah, you that that whole you're right. We have to buy less stuff, not only get rid of stuff, but then because if you just get rid of stuff and now you cleared out all this room so that you can fill it back up with more dopamine. Throughout this shirt, so I can yeah. so I can buy five more shirts. That's, right, and and win. you know I mentioned on Sunday like when we lived in the RV for a while, that was one of the things that just happened naturally was whenever the kids, um, or any of us wanted to get something, the thought was, well, what do I? I have to get rid of something. Yeah. Cause there's only so much space. Like we didn't have endless amounts of space in the, in the trailer. Like you had to say like, well, yeah, if, if you really want to, if we really want to buy this thing, whether it's food item or whatever, it's going to have to go in a space that yeah. then has to be. So I do think, I think, um, some helps in that are limiting the space, even containers, like, you know, in your closet to say, I only, I'm only going to give myself this much real estate. That can yeah. be a help. Um, it can be a help like I mentioned on Sunday to box up things that just uh, and put it away for a month or two and just see what you even remember that you, that you put away. Um, But all these things are meant to kind of free up because the other thing that stuff does, this is the transition into time and money is stuff is interesting because it requires both time and money. Yes. So it, it, when you're talking about minimal, you know, just simplifying things, Simplifying stuff will go a long ways to simplifying time and money yep. because the number of things that we buy that then obviously cost us money when we buy them, but then it also costs us time both in the research that I'm guilty of all the time of pouring in tons of time and researching this purchase, but it also goes into cost then to maintain it. Like you need space to yep. store it. You need to like if it's a if it's a vehicle, it needs maintenance. If it's a you know, whatever the case is, there's there's maintenance that has to take place and so um so that kind of moves into i don't know if you want to attack you want to do money or time let's get after money all right money so simplify your stuff and then you simplify your money well we're good then that's done sweet all right moving on to time kidding so what do we (laughs) you weren't supposed to take that you're supposed to say no you're supposed to say like because you asked the question okay so money what does it look like to simplify so let me ask you this what does it look like to simplify money for the person who is paycheck to paycheck? Well, that's a great question. Um, because that that's a lot of us, right? Because we, we assume the idea of changing, uh, changing how we handle our money, that's for people who have so much of it that it's difficult for them to figure out what to do with it all. Right. Um, and, and I thought you, you using the example of, of the, widow giving her last two cents is such a helpful perspective on that to say she she was actually putting more thought into how she was handling her money in a worshipful way than all of the men who were bringing the the sacks of cash that they're they're dumping at the at the temple um 
Jesus specifically says that. And to your point, he does not then follow her up and say, hey, here's two. Let me give you those two cents back. Like he allows her to right. experience the blessing of that sacrificial worship. Um, so I think um, I think the first step is understanding that it, it it applies to you. If you if you are paycheck to paycheck, then understanding where your money is going and how you're investing that in in an intentional way, um, then it it applies to you as as much as it does to the person who has much. And, and I think oh, that's funny. Whatever context you're in, you assume it applies to the other person, right? So right. so you might be the one who says, "Well, I'm financially." very comfortable and so i don't have to be super intentional in my money because i have plenty of it well that's garbage that's that's unwise and uh and so yeah first step is realizing wherever you are financially you will benefit from intentionality in in thinking through how you are simplifying your spending yeah and i think that intentionality so you talk about the person who's comfortable financially there is a level in which they should say because simplifying money doesn't just mean saving more or accruing more or being getting a better deal like we talked about how that's a motivation for me a lot of times is i i will spend ridiculous amounts of time in my pursuit of saving a few dollars Mm -hmm. and instead of just saying well no i can pay that price for that thing so i'm just going to pay that and be done with it i i um I end up wasting a lot of time that could be spent on more valuable things. So this goes to the whole yes or no. The question is simply like, well, why am I spending this? Like, what do I, what am I hoping to get from this? What do I need from this? Um, and, and it isn't always like, it's not always so clear cut when you say like, well, do I need it? So then you get into things of like, well, I bought this, I bought this item from the grocery store. I could have bought, fewer things. I could have bought the smaller box of macaroni and cheese. I could have like, how do you guard against that kind of mentality? Like if simplifying, if simplifying your stuff is not just getting rid of everything. And so if I dare keep two sweatshirts, then I'm, I am just living extravagantly beyond Mm -hmm. my means. How do you let that, how do you guard against that with money where you could say, so then are we saying it's never okay to eat out? Is it never okay to Mm. buy a coffee? Because I could more simply do that. Um, like, what? How do we? How do we handle that? Man, as you're saying that, the first thing that popped in my head is we have to care enough to handle it, right? Just yeah. to to even stop and think, I should actually be thinking about whether or not I get this coffee or not. I think is such a huge step, and and to understand we don't ask that question as a matter of law. To again, just like the stuff, because it's not it's not saying owning X amount of objects is more Christ-like than owning Y amount of objects. Spending X amount on whatever it is, recreational activities, food, clothing, housing, coffee. Um, there's, it's, not a, it's not a new law that we're creating where we're saying right. if, you, if you get this number of lattes, that's totally okay. But if you get one more than that, you've now slipped into sin. It's it's being intentional enough to say, am I thinking about this money that I'm spending? Do I, do I look at what I've spent and go, wow, I spent, I spent a hundred dollars on this thing this month. That's like groceries for a family. Like, was that a, was that a good trade? Like, am I thinking through those things? Am I thinking through 
um, like like time, am I making the best use of of my funds? Um, I mean, what do you think about that? I disagree with everything you just said. That's fair. No, I think I I feel like I'm asking hard questions. It's so funny. We do a pre we do a pre conversation. No. If people don't know that or whatever, and I'm going way off script. No, you're not asking any of those. You're you're throwing these <laughs> heavy throwing questions these... at me, and I go, "What thinking, you want me to say? What to people who are paycheck to paycheck?" This is this is a hard, you know. But I think I think what you're saying is true. That we we want to be intentional, but to understand that money is it's it's a resource. It's a it it's just and God. God has placed us where he has placed us. And I've gone through different times where I've compared to, okay, most of the world lives on less than a dollar a day. Right. So therefore, you know, should I be doing that? And then you realize, well, that's not, that's not possible in our culture. Like you can't, and you could argue it's not possible in any culture. And that's goes to our poverty issue. But the answer, um, the answer wouldn't be to have a worldwide mandate of a brand new minimum wage. Right. Like that wouldn't fix um, these issues, I think it's it's again saying what am I saying yes to? What am I saying no yeah. to? So if I'm saying yes to taking my wife out for dinner, and I'm I'm gonna I'm saying I'm gonna spend this money because for whatever reason, like we have these resources, I can do that, and I take her out to dinner to connect with her. That's that's I think that is a God honoring way to use that. If I am looking to buy this thing because I feel entitled to this thing. Or because I, um, or I want to spend money on this experience because I I'm afraid I'm missing out. I saw other people have this experience, and so I need to have that experience. Yeah. Like those are that's where the intentionality comes in. The intentionality isn't meant as like God is this hall monitor that's looking at you shrewdly and saying like, well, did you really need that latte? It's just being willing to ask a simple question of my heart, and sometimes. The answer is actually far more simple than I, I make it out to be oh. because we are really good at justifying uses of money. Um, I think all of us are really good at that and we're really good at being able to see where other people are wasting their money, which is always funny to me that right. like we, we live in a culture that's just very judgmental. If you are concerned about any of these things, it's very judgmental of like, well, what year did you buy that car? It's one of the things here that when when people in in our culture here if they buy something new they always have to tell you what kind of a deal they got or that it's actually or that it's older than you think it is or that they never do this so i never buy a car like that we never buy new or i never buy this i never bought this nice of a car or whatever as if they have to justify that and i'm always looking at it saying like i don't know like that's between that's between you and god yeah. i mean i i don't think it's a sin to buy a new car like there are people who would say, well, that is just clearly that is just sin. And I don't I don't know how no. you could say that any more than, you know, that it's a sin to buy brand new underwear. Like, right. I don't know. I mean, it's just um, but I think I think it is just being conscious. And in that, by the way, is being conscious that God chooses to bless us through those things. Sometimes he no. delivers gifts to us through the resources he has provided for us at times. And so to just be able to receive that um, as a blessing, I know that when I moved, when I moved here, quick little anecdote that we don't have time for. When I moved here, uh, one of the things that was really a struggle for me was I had not, in our church plant in Colorado, I intentionally did not take a salary. I just, I didn't, 
I felt convicted that I did not ever want to put that burden on the church. I didn't want to put that stumbling block. I was looking to, you know, Paul saying like, we didn't, we didn't take anything from you because we just wanted to be able to offer the gospel. And so I felt personally convicted of that. That didn't mean that it was wrong for pastors to get paid or, you know, to be supported by the church or anything. But for me, I felt that. But when, when we were offered this position and offered the opportunity to move to Wisconsin, that was a big struggle for me. And I talked to one of my mentors who also had the same values that I did, that really believed in bivocational ministry, believed in the power of a pastor not drawing a salary from the church, yep. but working a regular job and just ministering to people through that. Um, and I asked him, expecting him to say like, well, yeah, you're kind of a sellout if you go and you take this yep. position. But what he said to me is he said, I, I think maybe you know, is it possible that God is just saying, I just want to give you this gift? Like, no, you don't deserve it. No, you're not entitled to it. No, it's not a, it, but, but just receive the gift graciously. Mm-hmm. And I got this picture of if I give my kid a Christmas present and they just refuse to accept it because they say, you know, dad, your, your love for me is enough. I don't need your stuff. And, um, I would say, well, I know, but I still, I saw this and I thought of you and I wanted yeah. to give this to you. So please, would you, you know, I want you to enjoy it. No, 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 I can't. Like that's, I, I think we, we just have to be careful not to create a new law for us in that and then be motivated by guilt and shame in yeah. it. But rather, like you said, with the stuff to be motivated by, well, if, if I simplify this, that frees me up then. And with money, it does free us up to be, generous and it frees us up and and it's incredibly empowering um you know lauren and i had a season of life where we where we were paycheck to paycheck where it was um it was very difficult um but god still motivated us to to give and um it was really empowering in a lot of ways like that was kind of a side benefit was that we realized like no we still can be generous yeah we're not we don't just have to be recipients here. We did receive. Yeah. So while we were trying to bless others, people were blessing us and learning to receive others' generosity helps with being generous. Like that's right. a that's a healthy cycle as opposed to me being shrewd and just like stingy with my resources and saying that, well, simplifying money means just being frugal right. and I'm not going to spend what I don't need to spend. Well, that tends to create a, a feeling of both judgment on myself and on others when they feel freedom Absolutely. to spend something rather than I want to receive generosity and give yeah. generously. Right. Cause gen- ultimately generosity is not a matter of resources, but right. a matter of the heart. Right. So, uh, if, if the heart is there, there, there will be generosity regardless of the context and the resources. If the heart is not there, then it doesn't matter how many more resources I accumulate, I'm still going to continue to not be generous because it's not dependent on resources. It's, it's, it's a character issue. Which, man, we didn't even get to retirement, which we were going to talk about. Because there are a lot of people who wonder then, like, how much, how much do you save? I, I think I'll just say this. If, like, a practical tip that we had talked about was... Um, as you're like, how do you save? Because in the Bible, it would lead us to think, okay, well, retirement is bad, like retirement accounts, because they sold everything they had and gave it. And yeah. so it's just kind of dependent. And you got guys like John Wesley 
who are saying, if I die with more than $20 in my bank account, you can consider me a robber and a thief. Right. Yeah. Which fortunately, I don't know. Right? It's a strong opinion. <laughs> yeah. And, and there is that kind of feeling out there. I've, I've had people wrestle through that. Like, is it unbiblical to have a retirement account or, um, and I, I think again, we have cultural issues that are in play here. I mean, yeah. People live way past when they are able to work now. Not only that, but they work. They live past when they're even hireable. Like we live in a culture where most people are dependent on somebody else to give them a job. It's not the same thing yeah. as like I could make some tents and sell them. Right. And then I could not do that. And, and as long as my hands work to make the tent, I could sell it. We don't, we don't live in that world. Um, but I do think there's something to be said for stating like, modest goals and not getting trapped into the world where like if you read articles on retirement accounts the one thing that they will all tell you is you don't have enough right you need just a little bit more yep it's always fear-mongering of like you don't have enough there's still time like this is what you need to do and i think we can get caught up in that yeah and and what we have to realize is what the world is the picture that the world is painting about retirement is that that's when you finally get to enjoy all the fruit of your labor and so most of the time they're they're setting a, an income level that is like well, the most extravagant that you've ever lived. And and so you have to be mindful of that and say, well, I don't I don't need to do that. Like yeah. I'm going to continue to live and serve and do the things that I'm doing now. Um, and so I think I think it's just important, again, to be intentional and to be considerate of, OK, what what does it look like to to just abide in Jesus in this with a mindset um, like if I'm trying to find my security in my retirement that's that's a motive that I want to kind of unearth yeah. but if I'm just trying to make sure that my spouse is cared for for the length of her life or, or whatever like that's a that's a different angle you yeah. know if I want to try to leave my kids with such an inheritance that they never have to work well that's maybe maybe that motivation isn't you know I, I need to unearth that a little bit yeah. but if I want to if I want to bless them with a gift to, to help them, like, great. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's good. So. Do we have time to we, end with time? We have, uh, we have <laughs> a scarcity of time to talk about time. We should so have we been better, more we better simple. simplify. We should our, have simplified this conversation already. Should, yeah. Um, yeah. So time. Just give, give, give us a, a, a really practical. Okay. What is it? What does it look like to manage my time? differently because that's probably the, the the conversations afterwards that was probably the the one of the biggest ones of people that i was speaking with just saying yes constantly busy or feel busy and and so we spent some time talking about like the difference between working hard and busyness and that busyness is ultimately a matter of the heart rather than activity um but right. but uh we don't have time to get into all that so to focus on if we say yes i am my, my day is too cluttered i honestly don't feel like i have time to do the things that i know are important how do i how do i fix that what do you what do you tell that person so there's a there's a couple of things that come to mind one is time probably more than these other things is where scarcity mentality really rears its ugly head yeah because like you said there it's important to understand that busyness is a condition of the heart. It even on our busiest days, we likely I've, I've drawn the comparison 
to pioneer days, yeah. you know, where they were just the simplest things, their, their survival, the things they had to do for survival took from sunup to sundown. Yeah. And our things that we need for survival, we get in a second. I, I need water and I can turn on the faucet. I need food. I could have food in, you know, as long as, you know, you have money coming that, but most of us, you can, we can act, we have access to food. Yeah. Um, even if, I mean, even when we have tragedies where someone's house burns down or whatever, they can get shelter quickly. You know, like we have hotels, we have plate like there's, yeah. there, those kinds of needs are, are met so quickly. Most of our busyness is extracurricular things that we fill up our time with, but then it is just a condition of the heart where I have had days where I have thought to myself, I am so busy. I do not have time to deal with these things. And then I will just write down, what are the things I need to do today? And I'll look at the list and I'm embarrassed by how few things there actually are. Yeah. I realize that I just go into the day. So I would say that's, that's number one is just, just be aware that you function and I, I feel confident saying that this everybody functions this way in our culture. You function as though you don't have enough time, um, and and that's that's independent of what time you actually have. I think it is critical when I realize that that God God has given God has given us all the time we need to accomplish all that He has called us to. That's an important truth to just lay out there that God is not the overbearing boss that demands that you get 80 hours of work done in a 40 hour work week. We all have examples of that. I mean, you clearly have an overbearing boss that makes you do far more than I'm thankful you, know, you were willing to say it. I yeah. Wasn't. I just, you know, I just wanted to get that out there about Leslie. Um, the, but the idea that you, um, uh, we, we sometimes picture God like that. Like he's, he wants me to go share the gospel with all the nations. I have to make disciples of all the nations. I have to, I have to volunteer. I have to give. I have to do all these things. Like we, we can paint God as though he is this overbearing boss that just gave us this entirely too long to do list, but it just has unrealistic expectations for us. That is that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, he actually the pace of life that he has given us is a restful pace. Like, yes, we labor hard, we, we work hard, but there is a rhythm to it. And he, the, the issue is that we say yes to things that he is not calling us to say yes to. Yeah. And then we end up saying no to things that he is calling us to. And that's why it feels like too much. Right. Right. So if, if I'm saying yes to all these things that make it so my morning is so rushed that I can't, I don't have a single second to spare between getting myself up, getting the kids up, getting food, you know, shoved in their mouths and getting them out the door. Then I look at the Bible, which would encourage me to spend time, ideally in the morning where I just withdraw and spend time with the Lord. Mm. I look at that as like, well, I can't add that to this list. Yeah. But is it possible that the reason why that feels like it's overbearing and overloading is because I have preloaded my my time with all of these other things. So that would be number one is just to get my mind wrapped around the idea that that what God has called me to do absolutely fits in the time that he has given me. Yeah. 100%. And I will I would challenge anybody on that 
um, I, there's so many stories I have of, of people um, in, in my own life where when you really start to dig, you realize, oh, I'm saying I don't have time to share the gospel because I have I have committed to this because I, I spend, you know, 30 hours a week on this hobby that I have to do because I spend all this money on it. And so now in order to justify the expense that I spent on all this, I've got to go spend all this time doing it. Yeah. And therefore I don't have time to spend any time with my neighbor. Like you start to unearth some of those things. So that's one thing. Um, the practical thing that I would throw out there that, that I tend to do just in a day-to-day basis. So is when I'm running errands, for example, I build in extra time when I'm scheduling that, when I think about how long does it take me to run to Walmart, for example, or to go to the bank, I, I, I typically double the time that I think it'll actually take me because I want to have that time blocked off so that I can be available because I believe that whenever, whenever I go to Walmart, I just believe that God is going to put me into a situation where I could minister to somebody. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I want to be doing is looking at them and being like, oh, I'd love to have this conversation, but I've right. I've got to go. I now, scheduled 15 minutes to get 30 minutes of shopping done, so right. i got to fly past you rather than feeling like, oh, I literally scheduled time to have yep. this, whole, to enjoy this holy interruption in my day and, and engage with this person in a substantive way. Yep. And I think that's really helpful and super practical. Yeah, I, I think... I know that that can be scary and it doesn't always work that way. Yes, there are times where even I have to rush in, run in somewhere, grab something and and head out. But again, that's a condition of the heart and to just say, okay, God, if you, if you have this person for me to talk to, like if you want to use me in this way, then you're providing the time for me to do that. It's, it's only my own expectations and my own ridiculous list or sense of a accomplishment that I have to get all these done in the most efficient way possible. Efficiency is not often the main goal. I mean, Jesus rarely, if ever took the efficient route. Um, and we just, we worship efficiency in our culture. Like it's just such an idol for us. Like we, we wear it as a badge of honor that all the things we could fit in to a certain amount of time. When I think, man, wouldn't it have been better if you just we just got one of those errands done, but we're able to bless yeah. somebody in the process? But. Or if not efficient, if we wouldn't call it efficiency, we would call it ease. I want to do it the easiest way possible. Oh, that's true too, yeah. So I might not be thinking because I want to get ten more things done today. I might just be thinking I don't want to put want to put as little effort into this task mm-hmm. as possible. So just want to get in, get my stuff, and get out. And to your point, like if if I have an afternoon where I am sprinting through Walmart because I got to get this stuff and get home really quick because somebody's coming over, like that's that's life. Right. If every time I go to Walmart, it has that sort of yes. hectic tendency to it. That's good, yeah. That's terrible planning. I'm not using my time well, and I'm not, uh, I'm certainly not being intentional with it. So, um, I mean, in all of these things, you know, we, we want it to be that, that very binary, is this right or is it wrong? And the problem is, like, things happen outside of our control. And so there's going to be times when I'm going to need to spend more on this thing than I have to, or I need to do this more quickly than would be most ideal. It's it's looking, it's taking that step back and saying, but is this the way I always do it? Do I always approach stuff like this? Like, do I always, uh, do I always say, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to buy the toy because God wants to bless me. So I buy the right. toy every time. Right. That's 
nope, that's not that's not doing it right. Or or you know if I'm if I never have time to engage that person in the store because I'm always in a rush, that's that's the problem. Um, so it's not sin to sometimes have to be in a bit of a hurry, but but if my heart is in a constant state of hurry so that I I never feel like I can stop and listen to someone or engage them right. in a substantive way, that's a that's a heart issue that has to be addressed. Well, and that that right there is such a great point that you it is that hurried heart condition that I have I have I remember meeting somebody one time that was a, he's a, a pastor and an author and I just I just happened to run into him and he's somebody that I would love to speak with when I realized the environment we were in he had a million things pulling at him mm-hmm. but he we stood there and talked for about it's probably only about two minutes but he was so unhurried mm-hmm. I was so amazed by the fact that he, I, I looked at that and I was like you're very aware that you have these other responsibilities and and you're making me feel like you would love to sit and talk with me for an hour but you don't you don't you don't have time for that because yeah. you have other responsibilities. But those two minutes were a very unhurried two minutes. Mm. And I think that's something that I try to do because I, you know this on Sundays, I can get sucked in because I want to connect with people and talk to them. Um, and I, there is a way to go into Walmart and no, I, I do need to get home, but I could still minister to the cashier in that moment by yeah. not being hurried. Yeah. Like I could still move peacefully through that line it might cost me an extra five seconds, but even more than that is the demeanor. So yeah. I think that's important. But the to to do the proverbial bow on the entire thing, one thing that has just come to my mind that just as the as we talked about those big picture things at the beginning, the punctuation at the end is really all of this boils down to a question of desire. Yeah. Do you really want to abide in Christ in this way? Because at the end of the day. You can look at your calendar. You can do the things we talked about on Sunday where you write out, you know, take a, uh, inventory of your time for the week. And you could look at it and you could see, oh, I'm doing all these things that are not related to my purpose and, and really why God has placed me here. But the question is, do you want to abide in Christ and be about the things that he wants you to be about more than you want those other things? And I've, I've found in my life that that, that's where it gets really difficult. That's where the kind of the rubber meets the road is like, I know in theory that this thing from God is more important than this commitment that I've made over here or this activity my kids are in. But then when it actually comes down to, okay, then I need to stop doing that. I need to, I need to pull my kids out of this activity. I need to stop participating in this thing because even though it's a good thing and even though I enjoy it, I know that that isn't that isn't what I'm supposed to be doing or that's not not even like what I'm supposed to be doing but that's not where where Christ is leading me yeah. and so therefore I'm I'm choosing the rewards of that worldly thing over the rewards of abiding in Christ and and it is just not black and white like you can't look at it and say okay well then that means everyone should pull their kids out of baseball well, no, because for a lot of people, that is where God wants them because they right. are able to serve and and build relationships. We've had incredible relationships through youth sports. So it's not that like we'll just stop doing that. Um, 
but it is being intentional and ultimately at the end of the day saying, okay, God, you are the manager of my time and of my money and of my resources. They all belong to you. Whatever you want to get rid of, get rid of whatever you want to invest in. Like I'm there. And, um, but that's a heart check of like, is that what I want? Right. And there's, that's a great example because there's a radical difference between I can't obey what God has called me to because of youth sports versus youth sports is one of the means by which I obey what God has called me to. Right. So that's, that's the means by which I engage the community to develop relationships with people who don't yet know Jesus so that I can disciple them in the gospel. That's good use of your time. Right. And, and so the issue is not what's the activity that you're doing outside of overt sin, but like all of these gray area issues, it's not, what is the activity that you're doing? It's, it's what, is this activity the end or is there a means to an end and what is the actual end that you are using? And so when, when all of these things become either an end in and of themselves or an end towards something that is not Christ, that's when we look at them and we go, well, I'm just too busy with all of these other things to obey the direct commandments of Jesus. That's, that's when it becomes a significant problem. So good. And as always, we encourage you to reach out in community. Like if you want to process this, you can talk to any of us or you can just talk to other people that you're walking this road with. And uh, that's where it's so important to not be judgmental of those things with one another, that uh, that we need to process it with one another because our hearts are deceitful, because we're not very good judges of our own motivations, because we're so good at justifying things. It is a messy path. Um, and and by being in community and sharing with one another some of those struggles, um, it can be scary to do that, but it is incredibly helpful um, to to do that together. So we'd want to encourage you to do that and encourage you to ask us any other questions that you might have, whether it's about the sermon or not. We've been getting some really good questions that are not connected to the messages that are just like other theological questions. And so we are working on pulling those together and figuring out how to address some of those. We have some ideas about that. So if you have other questions that you just feel like are, they feel random to you, uh, please contact us. Let us know what those are as we kind of figure out how to, how to deal with some of those things. I guess that's it. I get to sign off today. Oh, yeah, Robbie's backed away from the microphone, so he's like... I, I thought my body language made it clear that I was expecting you to... You're assuming I'm paying attention to you, Robbie. Thank you so for paying attention to us. And until next time, grace and peace. Grace and peace.